0: This is a Triple J podcast.
1: Okay, vibe check. How are we feeling? What's going on? Because (laughs) Dee and I have just come off the biggest weekend
2: of our lives. Yeah, Pip got her a wet dream of seeing Skrillex finally.
1: My short king. I didn't even see him. He was so short. (laughs) I'm so upset. But no, I was having such a good time. Didn't even care about that. We just had the best time at Listen Out and it was like the stars aligned for everything at that festival. It was
2: the best set ever. It was so much fun. But yeah. then we backed it up with the AFL grand final. Um, I went, which yeah. is so rogue of me. I know. If you had asked me at the start of the year, like, will you even watch the grand final, let alone be there? I'd be like, no.
1: Nah. <laughs> it was truly not on <laughs> anyone's bingo cards No, for but- you to be – An AFL girly. And you're still not.
2: I'm still not. But there I was screaming. Yeah. Wanting Collingwood to win. So now
1: today we went straight back into work, you guys. Like it's been hard and we're feeling some type of way, feeling a little bit fragile. Yeah,
2: definitely feeling so anxious So so anxious today. I feel like today is my worst day. Yeah, definitely. Which is actually the perfect reason to do this episode. P.S.
1: By the way, we've got a little treat at the end of this podcast. I'm so excited. Yes. Please stick around. Wait, like listen to the whole thing. Or just I don't know, skip to the end. But it's perfect.
2: All right. Everyone's obsessed with attachment theory. I am like deep in attachment theory TikTok. I'm always setting them to peer.
1: Yeah. So can you please explain because I'm not as across it.
2: Okay. So if you like Pip don't get it, it's basically a really popular theory that the way we were treated as young children or as babies by our caregivers uh, forms how we are in relationships today and who we're attracted to. And there's four types. So there's avoidant, anxious, disorganized and secure and obviously we're
1: gonna just do anxious and avoidant today right
2: yeah so we're gonna so secure kind of speaks for itself like yeah. you're secure in your attachments you can form healthy relationships um, we're gonna focus on anxious and avoidant for this episode in particular because they seem to be drawn to each other mm. and if you are listening and you don't even really believe in attachment theory I
1: know because it's like a theory it kind yeah. of sounds a bit star signy but th- I,
2: I, can, I can kind of
1: Get where it's coming from. I yeah,
2: guess. I mean, I feel like it's a bit more legitimate than stars. Yes. Yeah. There's actually a lot of research in this space, but um, a lot of people kind of just don't really subscribe to the idea that they're one attachment type, which is so fair. But you can definitely be in a dynamic with someone, right? Or in a relationship with someone where one person might be more anxious leaning, they're more needy, more clingy, and you might be or the other person might be more avoidant. So they shut down, they pull away, they're like more independent.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely sensing a lot of this in some past relationships and even some current ones now. Um, But, yeah, we put it up on our Instagram to hear from you and your experiences Um, Jesse here says, I am in a long-term friends with benefits with an avoidant, very used to intense intimacy and then unexplained pulling away on repeat.
2: Mm, Alex says, if I feel them pulling away, I act quote unquote crazy and end things first. It's toxic. Don't lecture me. I know. (laughs) Dead. Harrison here says, I'm anxious and I just
1: unintentionally pushed away someone who's really great and definitely avoidant. I was asking for a lot of reassurance and I smothered them. Also, we got this voice memo from Sarah.
3: So I have an anxious attachment style and that's something I've learned about myself very recently because I guess I'd never actually started dating anybody that I really wanted a future with. But now that I have had that experience, I've realized that I get very anxiously attached. Like I need a lot of reassurance. I need to know that they're still interested in me. I need to know that it's going well and silence doesn't work for me, which is something that I learned in my most recent kind of relationship, something that didn't progress as far as I thought it could because we worked really well personality-wise, but obviously attachment style-wise we didn't because he was definitely avoidant. So he would just not message for days on end and I would immediately go into this spiral where I just assumed that he wasn't interested anymore. He didn't want to talk to me. He didn't want to see me and I would ask for reassurance. And I think after a while, he just got sick of having to reassure me and cater to
2: that. Someone here says went from secure to anxious because he was avoidant. It was toxic AF, left him after a year. Oof. That's, yeah.
1: That's kind of one of the things we're going to try and answer, I guess, by the end of this. Like, even if you are attracted to the opposite, can it work? Make sure you stay listening. We're going to get to that soon. But let's probably maybe get a definition, right, for like each of these
2: yeah. So here to help us navigate this is Stephanie Rigg. She is a relationship coach. She specializes in attachment styles and she has a really popular podcast called On Attachment. She was in our episode about texting and anxiety, by the way. So yeah. if you haven't listened to that. Love her. Listen to that. Um, let's start off with anxious.
3: Typical person with anxious attachment tendencies is going to really highly value connection, intimacy, relationships. Uh, the type of person who's begin, going to become attached to someone very quickly, you know, that you might connect with someone on a dating app and just be like completely consumed thinking about them 24 seven, you know, planning your marriage when you've had like, you know, half a conversation with them. So, like really just going from zero to a hundred, ignoring any red flags and just making all sorts of excuses for someone. These are the sorts of behaviors you might see in someone with more anxious patterns. Also, Wanting a lot of contact and a lot of reassurance, um, really struggling with feeling unworthy and feeling insecure very easily in relationships, thinking that something bad's going to happen, um, thinking that someone's going to leave them and fearing that. And so, whenever they tend to be very hypervigilant to any slight change in the dynamic, So it's like, oh, they were texting me every 10 minutes, but it's been 20 minutes. So is there something wrong, right? There's a lot of reading into all of the micro cues in a relationship um, and applying a lot of really catastrophic interpretation to that, that usually ends up with, you know, this person's going to leave me or something really bad's going to happen. Okay. So what about avoidant then? People who tend to be pretty comfortable in their independence and in their own space um, to the point of keeping people at arm's length a lot of the time. So while independence is not a bad thing um, and securely attached people will be, you know, comfortable with their own space, they'll also be comfortable with togetherness, whereas avoidant people tend to shy away from intimacy and closeness. They have fears around being enmeshed with someone or someone trying to control them or someone kind of wanting too much from them. Um, And so they can kind of keep people at arm's length. They can maybe cycle through relationships quickly. They can maybe blame the other person. And, you know, if things get hard, it's like, oh, it just wasn't the right relationship for me. They might leave relationships quite easily. They have a much lower threshold than an anxious person who tends to stay in relationships till their dying breath. I'm kind of getting the vibe that I could be both maybe.
1: There's a couple of things that I identify with both ways. I think Mm. maybe more avoidant though.
2: Well, yeah, you can be both or have like tendencies for both, Uh, psychologist Chris Cheers, who you're going to hear throughout this episode, says that the other attachment type disorganized is kind of where you have both anxiousness and avoidance.
4: And we've got to remember here the disorganized attachment style exists as well, which is a really challenging sometimes attachment style to be with because that's someone where it's going to be quite disorganized. Sometimes they're going to be all in and then other times they're going to be all out and it's going to be very confusing to you to understand.
2: Like I said at the start, if you're listening and you are like, I'm not any of those attachments or you don't really subscribe or believe in attachment theory or you think you're secure, Chris said that it's actually something that can come up in your stressful moments. So it doesn't really matter if you are uh, if you are a type, everyone is going to be anxious or avoidant at some point.
4: I think it's really helpful to see these types. Less as types and more as like a spectrum. I'm also saying, hang on, at times of stress, in times of conflict, which one am I more likely to go to? The anxious place, like fear of abandonment, or am I more likely to not be able to talk about my emotions because I don't want to be seen as a failure? But we have elements of this, I think, in all of us. And I think naming that and understanding that is a lot more helpful than just saying, well, I'm not that, so I don't want to be with someone like that, because it might be cutting yourself off from relationships that could actually be really useful for you to grow and to change.
1: Oh my God, yeah. No, we totally had a DM about this. Alexandra told us this.
3: So I'd say my attachment style is based on what's going on in life, in my partnership. So sometimes when I'm feeling insecure in life... I'm a little bit more anxiously attached and he tends to be avoidant because it feels a lot to meet another person's needs when they don't feel good about themselves. But when he's feeling not great about himself or doesn't have his own things, um, friends like um, passions and life, I start feeling a bit avoidant because I start to feel the burden of meeting all his needs.
1: It's funny as well, Dee, because we had so many DMs from people saying that they always gravitate towards the opposite of their attachment style. It's just like this magnet and they like dating the opposite. So we obviously wanted to know why do they end up together if you're on the opposite ends? I think a lot of it
3: is driven by subconscious belief systems and uh, what is familiar to us because I think there's often a, a disjunct between what we consciously desire or we say we desire and what we gravitate towards because is what we know. Um, and so for anxiously attached people the the kind of core wound and the often the origin story of anxious attachment so the the pattern in a family system that caused anxious attachment in the first place is some sort of inconsistency so it's like it feels really good when I'm connected to you but you're not available to me enough of the time that I can really rely on. That connection to be there when I need it. So there's this sense of, you know, sometimes there, sometimes not. And so I develop this anxiety in response to it. And then we see someone who's avoided who really cleanly fits that, right? They might be there sometimes, but then it becomes too much and they pull away or it just seems to be intermittently available. And so for the anxious person who goes, yeah, that's that reminds me of what love looks and feels like. Um, that's kind of my blueprint. Great, I'll go with you. Um, And, you know, all of the things that we develop in response to those original uh, patterns in our family system, like the anxious person learns that they have to work really hard to get someone's love and attention and keep it. uh, And then that's kind of normal. That's part of love. And so when they have someone who's avoidant, who might be kind of flaky or a bit hot and cold or um, not really consistently available and really showing interest, uh, they sort of go, oh, yeah, that's fine that's that's, not a, that's nothing that I need to clock as being unusual or um, something to kind of turn away from in relationships. That's perfectly normal for me.
2: Okay, people who have gone to therapy and tried to do the work will totally relate to that. I feel like I only am attracted to avoidant people and working through it so much I know that that comes from like my childhood. mm from how I learn about love so I'm like yes this makes sense and we got a DM from May who's noticed a pattern in herself as well I guess like I've always been attracted to people who are avoidance or people who are emotionally unavailable because I guess like subconsciously I was manifesting the outcome because the outcome of them leaving was something that I was familiar with Something that I've noticed in myself or I've seen in friends, like I'm seeing it right now in a couple of <laughs> friends, but like it starts off, the relationship starts off so good. Like yeah. I'll be like with my ex, we were like so obsessed with each other at the start, called each other for hours every night. Like this went on for a couple of months and we we're with each other nonstop and then all of a sudden – he just became so avoidant and would just go like days and days and days without texting or calling me. And it was so strange because I was so confused.
1: Yeah, because you get that expectation of how it's going to go.
2: Yeah, it's almost like post the honeymoon phase. Like then you really get into that weird anxious avoidant energy. And I'm like, I always think about who started it. Was the anxious (laughs) person anxious first or was the avoidant person avoidant first? Yeah. Because you can't, it's so hard to get it back.
3: Yeah. It's not that you started secure, it's that – our attachment patterns are activated by stress. So like in an environment that is not stressful, in a dynamic that's not stressful, and usually the start of a relationship with all of the excitement and, you know, the rose-colored glasses and everything's happy days, like it's unlikely to bring us into contact with that heavier stuff that brings up all of our fears in the same way. And so it's not so much that it's secure to start with, it's just we haven't had those you know, internal alarm bells activated yet because we're so swept up in the euphoria of a new relationship.
1: That actually makes so much sense. Especially because when I first start relationships, oh my God, I'm the cool girl. I'm the chill girl. You
2: are the chill cool I'm just girl. Like, whatever. Like you do what you
1: want. Like stay up till seven AM <laughs> with your friend. Like that's fine.
2: <laughs> L- but you know. Logan L- you're still little like that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You're working on it. I'm working on it. But eventually
3: it does break down. Yes. The start no. of a Relationship. everyone's on their best behavior, right? Everyone's just like, yeah, everything's fine. You know, the anxious person is likely to pretend to be really low maintenance and like, I'm fine. Yeah, whatever works for you. Like, yeah, I'm totally chill. Cool girl, no worries, right? And then like that's disingenuous because then maybe two months in you're like, open up the cupboard and you're like, actually here are all of my needs and all of my expectations and all of the ways that I've been like bottling up the things that are bothering me because I didn't want to push you away or I didn't want to ruin it at the start. And I think it's often only when we feel a little bit more comfortable that like the relationship is actually a thing that we feel like we can start to raise concerns, for example. Um, And that might be the point at which the avoidant person starts to go, oh, you want stuff from me. And so they might start to pull away and go, oh, there's some sense of like duty and obligation and expectation here. That overwhelms me. I'm going to start to pull away because I just liked the the harmonious version at the start where it was all kind of really exciting and light.
2: And this is why Death to the Cool Girl, Death to the Chill Girl. Yes. Should never, ever, from the beginning. Don't, don't- even be her. Not be saying what you need out of a relationship if that's what you're wanting from this person, exactly. Because that's where things start to snowball. Because then the avoided person goes, "Where is all this coming from? You, you, this wasn't a problem before when I was doing it. So why is it a problem? So chill before six months in. Nah, nah, ah.
3: <laughs> you know, the anxious person will typically respond to that withdrawal with you know just ramping up their efforts, just more, um, and going, okay, like um, what's happening and they'll test and they'll push and they might send 10 text messages or say something wrong. Are you sure? Are you sure nothing's wrong? And that kind of energy tends to naturally feed more overwhelm and avoidance. So, you know, that can be how the cycle goes if it's left unchecked.
1: This is actually so painful because this is me, this is you, this is all of us. I feel like we've all been there. We've all sent 10,
4: 10 text messages where the, the Fuck blue text. <laughs> oh!
1: But like for real, like it's actually crazy hearing about this because I'm like, I thought I was one, I thought I was avoidant, but now I'm like, wait, I'm so
2: verse. Well, that's why Chris is so on the money about it being a spectrum. And a
1: stress-related thing. Yeah. Like, like coming up in stress, like that makes so much sense, which begs the question then, like can you make it work with somebody if you are still on the opposite and you react different ways and, and even if you switch around as well, it's just like, oh, my God.
3: Can an avoidant and an an anxious be together? Yes, that's what I want to know. You know, some people who work in this space will say that they're better off to just avoid each other. I don't really subscribe to that. Um, I have more anxious kind of background myself. That's where my attachment started. I've done a lot of work on it now. Um, But my partner's more avoidant. So, like, I think the reality is a lot of relationships will have some aspect of this dynamic. Um, And it's really not about just trying to you know, oh, I'll just have to date secure people. I mean, good luck because secure people tend to date secure people and that's the reality, right? But it is. And there's only so many people who are kind of naturally secure and that's great. But the really good news is that everyone can develop a more secure attachment. Um, so it's not a life sentence. It's not like your attachment patterns are set in stone. These are learned behaviours, There are ways that you've learned to respond to stress. And so you can learn new ways to respond to stress in your relationships. Um, And I'm absolutely uh, like a, a firm believer in the possibility of it working. So here's how to do that.
1: Well, first things first, it's kind of about checking yourself. you got to be a bit more self-aware and know that pattern exists in yourself and in your relationship. Right, so let's start with the anxious person in the relationship. As I just said before as well, you kind of need to know the pattern and then start working on yourself. That's really step one. Really realize that independence is normal in a relationship and you need to learn how to regulate your emotions. But Chris does have some advice for you if you are – Needing a bit more help on how to deal with the avoidant person.
4: In terms of supporting the avoidant person or when you're feeling overwhelmed by, oh God, you know, they've left me again or, you know, they're not texting back or they're ghosting me. You know, that's about understanding that their independence is is a normal part of their life as well, and it's not an indicator that they're going to leave you. It's just just part of who they are. And what you need to sort of remind yourself is: what are the things they have shown in the past, or what have they said in the past that tells me that they do love me, that or has shown me that they do love me? Because in this moment, my brain's going to react as if. They're going to leave me or they're going to abandon me. So just notice that your brain's doing that, but try and go a step further and go, okay, I know my brain's going to that place, but actually, what in our relationship have they done to really show that they are, you know, they are there for me, they are committed to this relationship, and try and remember that and make sure later on, and this is the part where you work on stuff together, it's working on. How do you have conversations after conflict? How do you, after moments like that, make sure that there's a space where you can both talk about it and both talk about what happened and both talk about, you know, how you can do things differently.
2: We're going to get to that, how to have those conversations in a sec, but let's go to the avoidant person. I think they get a bad rep because people think that they're avoiding you. Um, Chris says, being an avoidant person means that you're not avoiding your partner sometimes necessarily in general. It's just about avoiding your emotions. You might be disconnected and you might not have that ability to be vulnerable as much as your anxious partner can be. So if you are listening and you can relate to this, here's what you can do.
4: The first step in all this is always as someone who's, if you're feeling you're more avoidant or at times of stress, you go to that avoidant place. It's actually about learning more about yourself and learning how you can bring that self into relationships. That's the real challenge of avoidant kind of attachment styles is that they don't know themselves. So it's so vulnerable and difficult to express their emotions or express who they are. So this is where these relationships can be really healing or lead towards secure attachment. If someone who is more avoidant can actually take the space and the time, which is unfortunately what the anxious partner sometimes doesn't really allow or it's hard for them to do because it really takes a lot of time for someone who's quite detached from their emotions or detached from themselves, the time and space to actually get to know their emotions to then be able to express them freely in a relationship because that's the kind of process that moves someone who's more avoidant to a place that's more secure.
2: I think I mentioned this in the episode we did about texting anxiety, but not hearing from someone and not getting a text back for days on end is like, My biggest trigger, and is the biggest thing for me. And for some fucked up reason, I seem to be attracted to people who don't text. Um, So, I need some help around this. Like, if I'm in a moment of feeling anxious and spiraling because I haven't heard from my avoidant partner, like, what can I do in that moment?
4: Avoidant person is maybe not texting back or ghosting. No, that that might be because they don't feel safe to be vulnerable with you or they don't feel safe. So what can you do to really give them the space to do that? What can you do to kind of say, I know right now for you, this is hard. I know right now for you, you might be going through something rather than forcing it. I'm gonna give you the time and space when you're ready, come come to me. That's the kind of language that someone who's anxiously attached might find really difficult to do because they just want the reassurance like right away. You've got to kind of work on your self-regulation, work on your idea of like, even though it feels like this right now, we're gonna be okay. And then be able to express to your maybe more avoidant partner, I'm here for you when you're ready. That's the kind of development or change that can be really important.
1: here at the hookup you know we love a script we love a template we love mm-hmm. some words put words in our mouth <laughs> because we struggle with that sometimes and yeah we ask chris for some specific things to say to each person if you're the avoidant or if you're the anxious um, so let's start with how you can have that conversation with your avoidant in your life.
4: So think about ways that you can show them that they're being successful. So try to give them compliments on their work or compliments on their achievements or celebrate the small achievements can be a really good way for them to feel, you know, able to, to feel like they're not a failure. The other thing you can do is really when they do express any sort of emotion, to kind of say, congratulate them on that and be like, that's really good. Because you know, someone who's anxiously attached is sometimes quite emotional, quite able to talk about their emotions to, you know, to a lot of people. Someone who's more avoidant finds it really difficult. So sometimes if that avoidant person says, I'm just feeling really sad today, rather than wanting them to give you more and more and more, actually say, thank you for sharing that. You know That must be really difficult for you. Something that validates that they are actually trying here.
2: I hate that. But it actually generally works. Do you
1: hate it because it's like you shouldn't be congratulated on this kind of thing that comes naturally to you? Yeah.
2: yeah. I think it just comes from also having – it's a patience thing. Like sometimes you're not in the mood to be patient. Like if you're spiraling and you're upset about something, it's really hard to be like, hey, I know you took some space and you didn't talk to me for two days, but I just want to say like – I appreciated that you eventually did speak to me. Yeah. Do you but know I, what I, but it but Yeah. You, it's so stupid. But to be
1: fair, what Chris, I feel like the example he was giving there was more about n- in a moment where you, anxious, are not spiralling and they're going through something hard. Yeah. So you'd be able to
2: actually have the space to be like, well done, like you actually articulated how you're feeling. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I do know that with my experience <laughs> dating avoidance that <laughs> giving the space and the credit where it needs to be given does help them become yeah. more secure. I would say so.
1: All right. Well, what about anxious? What do you say to the the anxious person in your life?
4: You've got to try and validate their emotions. They really want to be validated. So when they are telling you their emotions, try and say things like, you know, I can hear this was really hard for you. I can hear that's really difficult, you know, to validate how they're feeling and really understand where they're at. Also, rather than the things you say, try and think about following through and being reliable. So what I mean by that, if you have an anxious partner, if you say you're going to do something, make sure you do it. So you've got to be careful about what you say rather than sometimes in relationships we can fall into that space where we just say, oh yeah, we'll definitely be there. Yes, I'll I'll definitely do that for you. Actually, before you make promises like that, because if you're avoidant, those aren't going to be as meaningful to you because you're more independent. So if your partner doesn't turn up, you're going to be able to sit with that a lot you know, more easily. If someone's anxiously attached and their partner says they're going to be there, if they're not there, that to their mind communicates, you don't care about me. You're not really there for me. So before you tell your partner, yes, I'll be there, or try and actually think, "Is it, can I be there? Will I be there? And make sure that allows you to really follow through um, with, with your partners.
2: So we've spoken about the work you can do on yourself, uh, things you can say to your partner. But at some point, you have to work on the relationship as a whole, right? You have to meet in the middle.
1: And one way you can do that, Chris told us, is that you can manage your expectations of what the relationship should apparently look like.
4: So if I'm anxiously attached, the thing I've got to try and do is be more independent. And that's really hard, but that's kind of the journey that this relationship can be for me. And that can be really healing and that can lead us to secure attachment. For someone who's more avoidant, their journey is about being able to actually give more of themselves or be more dependent in a good way on the relationship. So how do you do that? You have to meet in the middle. And and I think that comes from I have a, a step-by-step kind of for conversation. So if you're you know in conflict with a partner, you're going through a difficult time, If you're feeling an emotional kind of, if you're feeling overwhelmed or if there's some sort of emotional challenge within the relationship, you need to solve it through emotion. So what I mean by that is have an emotional experience. To put that another way, it's to have a conversation where you're both expressing your emotion.
2: Finally, the conversation. Yes. The hardest part.
1: Must be had. (laughs) It simply must. It must. And also, I've been waiting for this the whole episode because Chris hit us with an acronym. And like I said before, we love our scripts. We love our templates. Yes. I've never really had anyone actually be like, hey, this acronym. Like I don't remember a time and now I'm really going to remember this. He said, love. (laughs)
2: L-O-V-E.
4: L is to listen. So rather than going into a conversation going, I'm going to tell you what's wrong with you or what you need to change, try and come from a place of listening to them first. O, own your part of it. Own your emotions. And for someone who's avoidantly attached, that might take time and space, but you have to actually say, How are you feeling? and own those emotions. Or if you're anxiously attached, it might be about owning your part or what maybe you've done wrong here. V, be vulnerable. And that will mean different things to different people. Maybe it's about, you know, letting your emotions out. Maybe it's about telling the truth. Maybe it's about being more authentic. Um, And E is empathy. So when you've listened to your partner, make sure you reflect back and validate that. If they're saying that this was really difficult for me, don't go to a place of saying, I don't know why this is difficult for you. This shouldn't be. Relationships don't need to be like this. I don't... Try to go to a place of seeing it from their perspective. That's what empathy is. So you can say, I can understand why that was really difficult for you. Those, those sort of steps, L-O-V-E, can be really helpful to bring people back together.
2: We are holding back so hard from singing. I know. L is, is for that. No, I can't. Listen to, <laughs> to me. No, we shouldn't. No. No, 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 no. Listen. You guys get it. Listen. You get it. Own your part. Vulnerability and empathize. empathy.
1: Yes. Actually, James in our DMs um, hit us up with a little voice memo and he said that this kind of communication, opening up about this kind of stuff, was the best solution for him and his partner.
0: I guess being vulnerable here is opening yourself up to a partner, explaining your thought process and why you feel the way that you do. It's not necessarily logical but it's how you feel and having the self-awareness and I guess the confidence to put what that thought process out with your partner. And then, you know, that's the only real way that you can work around some of these issues and address why you might be feeling anxious about a situation or why you might be avoidant about a situation.
2: Being in a anxious avoidant dynamic relationship is so tiring. Let's be honest. Oh, but. Um, but
1: so many of you were telling us that you had never drifted from that dynamic. Oh, like you, you can't constantly. It's dead like it.
2: once you're in that blueprint of what you've learned. From, no, you can change to secure, but like yeah. it is so hard to change who you're, what you know as of love. Yeah. What you've grown up knowing. So, like, at what point, if the other person doesn't want to work or do the work, mm. when do you? know how to quit. Yeah, well Chris says that you've got to do the work obviously and whatever that
1: looks like for each of you is going to be different and what we found really interesting is that Steph said all this work often really just falls on the anxious person.
3: Anxious people tend to be the ones who want to do the work, (laughs) want to do the courses and read the books and find all the answers. They want to like solve the riddle of their relationships and I think what really needs to happen for it to those patterns to shift is you do need a level of buy-in on both sides. Um, You don't need the same level of buy-in, but if it's just one person trying to single-handedly solve all of the problems of the relationship without involving the other person, that's going to be hard because it is a two-way street and you've both got your stuff that you need to look at and deal with and understand and shift. So it's definitely possible, but it will require some some unlearning and some relearning.
2: Yeah. So it definitely can work. I think we've heard that throughout this episode like you can do the work get to a place where you are in a secure dynamic between the both of you or whoever's in your relationship but it takes takes everyone involved like the anxious person like we were saying tends to be the one that does all the work and brings the solutions but like yeah Steph reckons the anxious person is usually the one that Makes the other person the problem, like the avoidant person, like you're the reason why this relationship's not working.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of like finger pointing, a lot of blame shifting. And I think, yeah, a thing that she told us was that you have to realize how deep
2: this is rooted in you and you can't just be like, it's your fault, it's your fault. Well, for both of you, right? Like, yeah. the thing that I, because I'm so deep in attachment theory TikTok, like a lot of the comment sections and a lot of you in our DMs as well were like, I'll never date an avoidant. Mm-hmm. Avoidance they're damaged, they're trash, like avoid them at all costs. Lol, avoid. But And Steph said don't do that. She was like I don't, but I don't buy into like, that. She was like everyone has to own
3: their part, you know. Mm-hmm. And just people think like avoiding people are the problem and like if you were just not like that then everything would be fine. Um, and I, I understand where that comes from but the reality is like you're both really deep in your patterns. Just on the surface, anxious people are able to convince themselves that like they're the selfless ones or like they're the caring ones. It's like, yeah, but your your obsession with the other person and your self-sacrifice and all of that is self-serving because you're doing that to try and get what you want, which is the relationship. So it's not, I don't think it's quite as like sweet and innocent. Again, I say that as someone who has had those patterns. It's like, I think there's something that can be like, veering into the territory of like control and manipulation. Cause they're like, oh, I just need to like get you into like, get you back and get you close and keep you close and all of that, because that's how I feel safe. Um, and so I think it's really humbling to recognize like, yeah, we're both part of this. It's really easy for me to just label you as the problem. Um, but I, as I always say to people, if you are really entrenched in that mentality of like, you're the problem then you, you, that's just like a massive roadblock to shifting anything because you're not looking at cleaning up your own side of the street.
2: Oh, oh my God. God.
3: that's so brutal.
2: The way that just triggered Taylor Swift lyrics in my head oh. <laughs> from Midnight's where she says, I keep the side of my street to clean. To clean. Yep. Yep. You wouldn't know what that means. Not me trying to sing along. I have no idea. <laughs> but. Slay, that's such a good
1: lyric and also such a good analogy. Love you, Steph. That's great. Yeah. Okay, quick thing that you learned. Um, I learned that I'm versatile, as I said. <laughs> You're first. I'm not top, not a bottom. I'm both. Um, I didn't realize that you could have actually both and I didn't know it was actually
2: a stress response as well and yeah. that it can change. Yeah. What about you? I learned that the avoidant isn't just the problem. <laughs> you need to do that. I needed to hear that. It's like <laughs> takes two to tango. Now look, we're up to the part. Your treat.
1: The treat. We've got a we're treat. We're so for you. excited. We love treats. Um, and if you don't follow us on Instagram already, what are you doing at Triple J? The hookup. Go do that right now. Um, and if you do, you're already across the fact that we talk to a lot of you about your most cooked. Dating,
2: love, relationship stories. Yeah, we always post on a Sunday every couple of weeks and ask for your Sunday secret.
0: Sunday Secrets. It's time to confess your sins.
2: It's anonymous and it's anything that you want to confess to that you've done in your love life. And we get so many insane stories like... Like orgies, like people hooking up with people at work that they shouldn't be, people getting back with their exes, people taking shits in like people's beds
1: on like one night stands. It's bad, but we're so happy that you share them with us because they're just great stories. And we thought, like, it's just not enough of an audience just to put it on Instagram. We want to put it in the pod, we want to give these stories time because we edit them to make them very quick for a little insta reel or TikTok moment. But these are long stories, there's detail, and we want you to hear the whole thing. So we thought, hey, once every little while,
2: let's check one at the end of the podcast episode for you to enjoy. Yeah. And the one that we're going to share with you today shocked people and I to our core. We nearly threw up. It was <sighs> sickening. Um, if you want to watch the whole thing, it's on our Instagram. Um, you can get all facial reactions. Yeah, <laughs> But yeah, let's let you just listen to it.
0: I had to clean my partner's penis for three years. Excuse me? What do you mean? (laughs) What do you
2: mean? Give us more detail,
0: please. So (laughs) it took me quite a while to realize that like the foreskin on his penis didn't come back all of the way. And it wasn't until like sort of later on in the relationship I realized and was like, that's not normal. And then we'd gone to a doctor and everything and they couldn't really do anything to help it. And he got very funny about that sort of situation, like, touching his penis and sort of stuff like that. So I had to use lube and a Q-tip to clean 20-something years of build-up. Oh,
1: my God. Why wouldn't he do it himself? Yeah. Why was he so phobic of it?
0: I don't. Honestly, even to this day, I'm not too sure. It's just the whole situation of like his penis just freaked him out. Looking at it, touching it, just really wigged him out like, wouldn't masturbate to that point. Like that's how bad it was. Wow. And would so kind have of got put down to me for three years to clean it.
2: Part of me is holding back from asking this question because I don't really want to know the answer, but I feel like I might ask it. Can yep, you talk us it. through the graphicness of it? Like what were we
0: working with? <laughs> I'm so sorry for this answer. So because the foreskin was so tight, you would have to use lube to sort of like very slowly pull it back. And then the further you got, like the skin was pulled back, I'd have to use like a Q-tip and there would be like a buildup of like yellow stuff that I'd then have to like wipe off. It was like an hour every week that I was having to do this.
2: Absolutely. What the fuck? I don't, there's the mental load, there's the emotional labor and then there's the dick cheese labor. I can't It needs a whole separate category. I'm not even going to (laughs) go into
1: it because I could go on, but I've been thinking about it for a long time ever since we heard this story. But yeah, oh my God. If you have a story that you reckon could top this similar, yeah, if you have a friend who has a crazy
2: dating story or a secret that you want to share, yeah. make make sure you're following our Instagram at Triple J the hookup because we will ask for your Sunday secrets. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye.